everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Rory Vaden. Who's Rory Vaden? I'm very glad you asked. Rory Vaden is the New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs, Seven Steps to Achieving True Success, and Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. His insights have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNN, Entrepreneur, Inc., all over the place. As a world-renowned speaker, his TEDx talk has been viewed nearly 4 million times. He's a two-time world champion of public speaking finalist. He's been called one of the top 100 speakers in the world by Inc. Magazine and was recently inducted into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. I hope that comes with a coat. I'm not in the Speakers Hall of Fame, but there's, that's, a good, that's a good goal. That's definitely one of my goals. He and his wife, AJ, are eight-figure entrepreneurs who today serve as the co-founders of Brand Builders Group, where they teach mission-driven messengers to build their influence, their reputation, and their personal brand. And he's my friend. We've known each other for about 11 years. The first, like one of the first people I met when I moved to Nashville was Rory Vaden. We got to go have coffee and got to connect. And we've done a bunch of events together. We've traveled in the same circles and he's a personal friend of mine. So it was so fun to get to talk to him today. But first, today's episode is brought to you by me. That's right. Today's sponsor is me. I've been really surprised at how many people who listen to this podcast have reached out to me about having me speak at their events. I love that. And here's why. Over the last 13 years, I've had the honor to help hundreds of companies like Nissan, Walmart, Microsoft, and Comedy Central at events around the world. And during that time, I've developed three big goals for your event. Number one, I want to slingshot your audience into the best year they've ever had. Whether I'm opening, closing, or somewhere in the middle of the event, I want to launch everyone out of that room with actionable, memorable things that they can apply to their work and lives immediately. Number two, my second goal, I want the sound team engaged and laughing. The sound team has heard it all. They have. And if I can make them laugh and learn along the way, the audience is going to absolutely love the keynote. And number three, my third goal, I want you to get text messages during the keynote. My favorite sentence to hear from you after I speak is, John, my phone was blowing up during your keynote. I'm there to make you look like a rock star, not me. If your boss texts you during my speech and compliments you on how well the event is going, then I know I've done my job. Whether it's virtual or live, 10,000 people in an arena or 15 sales team members on WebEx or Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams, I'd love to help you with your next event. Fill out the quick form at acuff.me slash speaking to check my availability. That's acuff, A-C-U-F-F dot M-E slash speaking. All right, let's jump into the interview. All right, I'm really looking forward to today's interview. Um, It's with a friend of mine named Rory Vaden. Who's Rory Vaden? Let me tell you about him. Rory Vaden is the New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs, Seven Steps to Achieving True Success, and procrastinate on purpose, five permissions to multiply your time. His insights have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNN, Entrepreneur, Inc., on Fox News, national television, several other huge outlets. He's a renowned speaker. Um, His TEDx talk has been viewed more than 4 million times. He's a two-time world champion of public speaking finalist. 
Um, he's been called one of the top 100 speakers in the world by Inc. Magazine. Hey, so was I. That's we were on the same two, list together. Same list. Look at that. That's double. Oh my gosh. Like, I wonder what the other 98 people are doing today. Not this <laughs> podcast, that's for sure. And he was recently inducted into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. I'm not in there yet, but I'm, they're getting that jacket ready. And he and his wife are eight-figure entrepreneurs who today serve as the co-founders of Brand Builders Group, where they teach mission-driven messengers to build their influence, their reputation, and their personal brand. It's an amazing bio. And what's fun about this for me, not just the bio, but that Rory, we've been friends for 10 years. Um, yeah. So this conversation is different. And, and one of the things you said to me recently that stuck out so much to me was about life and business and growing a career and hitting your goals. Um, and you said, you know, so much of it is just staying around. Um, it's just, you know, sticking in the game. Um, mm -hmm. We actually saw each other a week ago and we talked about that. Can you elaborate on that? What you mean by, okay, like so much of it is showing up and staying consistent? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, we're both great examples of that. It's just like you hang around long enough and good things happen. I it, it's funny because when I was inducted into the the Speaking Hall of Fame, which was a, which is a cool deal. I think I was 37 or 38 at the time, maybe 37. You know, people kept saying, "Oh, you're so young. Like you're so you're so you're so young." And in my head, I'm, I'm going, you know, I, I guess I am pretty young in age time, uh, especially for that group of people, right? Like compared to that, I, I think I was the, the youngest uh, American ever, but I'm very old in stage time. Mm -hmm. So like I started speaking when I was 17 years old. I mean, I've been on stage 2000 times. Then you add up that I have as a host, I've hosted nearly a thousand podcast interviews. I have done hundreds of video blogs, hundreds of video webinars, right? And so it's like, yeah, I guess I'm, I am still young in age time, but I'm, I'm old in stage time and you are too. Like we just started early and stayed the course. And I think that's like a huge part of it is people just, they give up, they change their mind, they go different mm -hmm. direction. But, you know, the Hall of Fame was interesting because, you know, to this conversation, I remember going to my first National Speakers Association conference, I think when I was like 22, maybe 22 years old. And I watched the Hall of Fame inductees. Jack Canfield actually got inducted the night. Chicken soup for the soul? Is that the? The chicken yeah. soup for the soul. Totally. Yeah. So, so I'm a kid, right? watching Jack Canfield get inducted into this thing. And I had, I remember having two thoughts. One thought was, wow, that would be amazing to do. And my second thought was like, oh yeah, that'll happen to me someday. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. not because I was like, oh, I'm so amazing. This will happen. It's because I'm going, well, I'm 22. So even if it takes me 60 years, yeah. like I know I'm yeah. going to be doing this for, yeah. for I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life. So I was like, that's very likely to happen to me sooner or later. I don't know when. Yeah. <laughs> it still took yeah. 15 years, but you know, that's it. Yeah, I love that. So like a lot of it sounds like it's about, okay, how can you stack up repetitions? How can you stack up repetitions? Why do you think people have such a challenge with consistency? Like, especially now, like right now, I think maybe some of it, you could say there's distractions, like mm. social media is stickier than it's ever been before. You know, like Netflix has so many shows, whatever. Why do people tend to have, you know, a challenge with staying consistent? You know, we have a hard time with like the slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. When it comes to your personal brand, you know, psychologically, why do people struggle? I and mean, we talk a lot about it in my Take the Stairs book. But if you if we're having the conversation around personal brands, 
I'll tell you, this is the biggest problem is self-centeredness. It is that people start on the journey of writing a book, becoming a speaker, doing social media, having a podcast, whatever. And we don't realize, and this was a huge part of my career younger, is like what I'm really seeking is self-validation. I'm really trying to justify that I'm smart or that I've got good things to say. And you either burn out on that and go, you know, because you're seeking something you'll never get enough of, or you don't get it because it's not easy to get. Like it's 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 hard to get because there is so much noise. But the people who have staying power realize that the most fulfilling thing is helping another person succeed. And when you are fully relentlessly surrendered to that idea, then you don't care about how many followers you have. You don't care about how good you look on video. You're not that concerned about the perfect audio quality. Like you're not, you know, going, oh, I have to perfectly manicure my Instagram posts because all of those things that we do, we do that when we're focused on ourself and, and we feel fear and we feel pressure, but there is no fear once the mission to serve is clear. People get nervous about speaking on stage because they're like, is the audience going to like me? Am I going to look stupid? Is, am I not going to sound smart? Am I going to forget what I'm saying? It's fear is totally self-centered. But when you're just going, how can I help? How can I add value? How can I serve you? The fear goes away and you feel immediately fulfilled and you never run on empty. Well, and it's a lot more fun. That's what's interesting to me. I, I mean, my version of that was speaking change from if it's an act of service versus an act of performance, it changes everything. Like if I'm mm -hmm. there to really serve the audience, because then if I make a mistake, it's not that I've ruined the perfect image of John. I've actually deeply connected with the audience because the audience is going, okay, there's a gap between us. You're on stage. I'm not on stage. And then if you make a mistake, they don't go, I'll never listen. They go, oh, he's like me. Like this is another human it's relatable, especially, or like if you share something that didn't go well versus being a speaker that goes, Here's my home runs for, from the last 10 years. People see through that. I think even, I think millennials, younger generations see through that performance side. Where was the switch for you though? Like, because I think there is a switch where you go, okay, I'm building this personal brand. And that's, that's something that a lot of people talk about these days. It's, you know, maybe it's the Andy Warhol where like we all have 15 minutes of fame and now we actually have the tools to live that out. Um, you know, you talk about number of kids that want to be YouTube famous versus like doctors. Yeah. Where was the switch for you from, okay, it's about proving to people that Rory's famous, smart, interesting, talented, whatever, to I'm going to serve people. And it's a longer, more sustaining fuel for my goal of doing this type of unique career. Yeah. You know, I wish that I, this wasn't the answer. I, there would be a better answer for this, but this is the, the truth is actually when our first book hit the New York Times, that was... I think my life has been a series of impossible feats that we've kind of knocked down one at a time. And, and I think I was addicted to achievement and <laughs> That's um, a good phrase. I, I was addicted to achievement. It was like, okay, you know, I have to do this next thing. And, and the, the beautiful part about hitting a goal is, you know, there's a lot of great things that come come from that. But when I hit the New York Times, I realized it was like, oh, okay, well, like, this is it. 
Like this is this is it. I have hit the highest, most impossible thing that I could think of that I cared about. The thing that I never thought would be possible. It is it is now done. And I realized that I went, wow, a huge part of my life has been oriented around Rory accomplishing things and not about Rory helping other people. And so on the one hand, it was super invigorating to be like, man, I conquered this great goal. What a wonderful time. Like now I can finally let go of this. It was like an immature yeah. emotional drive. It was pretty sad and and sobering to go, well, damn, I've basically spent the entire first part of my career completely consumed with my own success and that sucks. Like that's a pretty big wake up call. So it was that that is what it that's when it happened. Well, I love that answer. I love that answer because it's the honest answer. I, I remember the day my first book came out, I distinctly remember driving north on Highway four hundred in um in uh Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and kind of looking at cars around me and being like, None of them seem changed. Like none of them <laughs> seem like they know what a big day this is. Like my first book, like the dream finally happened today. Like and they didn't seem to even know. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay, maybe the thing I thought was the thing is different than the thing. And I need to change how I'm, how I'm creating stuff and what I'm doing with it. I think that- So oh, I, I got I to say something about this, okay? So this will sound random because um, I'm going to share a data point on this. One of the things that we just did at Brain Builders Group was we just conducted an, an, an independent nationwide research study. Now, it's only of the U.S. It's weighted to the U.S., but we've... Sorry, we, Canada. Yeah, so it's not 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 anywhere international. Sorry, sorry everybody. We, we only have so much money <laughs> to do, but it is a completely statistically valid independent research study. And we actually asked this question because what we're seeing is a lot of our clientele these days is not just authors and speakers and coaches and consultants and trainers. I mean, that's like a big part of our audience because that's who we are. But now we're seeing doctors and lawyers and financial advisors and real estate agents and insurance agents and CEOs and billionaires who are hiring us to help them get clear. And it's like, wow, something is happening here that is beyond just, hey, I'm a influencer. Yeah. And so we we did this study and there's a bunch of data points, but to the conversation that we were just having, one of the questions we asked is, how important are each of the following when it comes to hiring someone? And we listed out all these specific things. They have a TED Talk. They have a published book. They have a best-selling book. They have a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. They have a New York Times best-selling book. They have a blog. They have a podcast. Like We listed out all of these things, and the, the lowest on the entire list is a best-selling book. Oh, that is, that is disappointing. Um, I was hoping you would say they, the number one most important, they have a banner <laughs> behind them with their book on their cover, which is what I'm sitting in front of. That is a, that is a curveball. It was totally unexpected. So it's like they don't care about your the fact that you, oh, you have a best-selling book or blah, blah, blah. The number one thing that people care about when it comes to hiring you, when it comes to spending money, 62% of people said the most important thing is the testimonials about you and your work from other clients. Like your clients don't care about how great you are. Mm -hmm. They only care about what you can do for them. 
and what you've done for other people. And, and the more that you can care about that, I mean, it's just amazing because you kind of, you know, intuitively, almost like spiritually, you should know that. But yeah. to have the data go, dude, they don't, nobody cares about the book, but colleagues do care. So our hypothesis on this is the media cares, right? Like you're not gonna like get on Good Morning America. Like it helps to have a New York Times bestselling book if you're sure. trying to, you know, get on Good Morning America or something like that. But but the people hiring you, the, the peoples whose lives you said you wanted to change, they don't care. They only care about can you help them. And the more that you, the more that we care about that, the better we're going to all do at that. I, I love that. I think you know that's a big part of this whole conversation is well that question of well what's in it for me? Like everyone is so busy. Like you know whether you're doing a book, whether you're trying to get a new job, people are going well. How will this make my life better? How will this make my life easier? I think that something that people when they hear kind of your accolades, what you've done, what you've built. And it's really fun to, to get to see because we both live in the same city in Nashville. I think they might go, okay, well, maybe Rory had a bunch of help from his family. Maybe he mm. comes from money. Maybe he had, an, you know, maybe they <laughs> launched him. Like, it's so easy when you hear somebody who's saying like, hey, I'm in my zone. Here's what I do. Here's how I like to help people. But I've heard you talk about your family background before and kind of your, your origin. Can you share a little about that for anybody who's listening might go, well, Roy doesn't know my story, so it would be really impossible for me. Yeah. Well, my mom um, was 22 years old when she had me, but that was already, uh, I was her second child, and she just went, had just gone through her second divorce. So she was a single mom with two kids at 22 years old. We lived in a trailer park. I mean, it's just a fact of the story uh, in, in Boulder, Colorado. You know, that is where he grew up. And my mom always told me, she was like, you will go to college. You are going to be the first person in our family to go to college. And you are going to get a full ride scholarship because that is the only way that it is going to happen. And, you know, she spoke that out into me like right when I was young. I mean, talk about a soundtrack, right? Like, you know, so we always had love. We didn't have money and we didn't have, you know, I just went to public school and all that stuff. I was bullied as a kid and I was a nerd. I was a, I was a nerdy kid. And you know that, but my mom was like, you know, education is the thing that will change your life. And, um, and so that was, that was my focus. And that was like the, the very first impossible goal that I accomplished in my life was becoming a black belt at age 10. And then I became valedictorian and I did get a full ride scholarship and then when I was in college, my school was paid for, but I didn't have money for all my living expenses, right? Like buying the books and the my housing and stuff. And so I got recruited by a direct sales company and I went door to door um, 14 hours a day, six days a week, uh, you know, 80, 80 hours a week for 12 weeks for, for five summers when I was in college. And then I recruited other students to come with me and uh, literally knocked on doors to find a place to live, would wake up every morning at 5.59 a.m., take ice-cold showers, go knock on doors on straight commission. And I made about $250,000 doing that in five summers while I was in college. And then we used that to start our first company. And then we grew that for 12 years to an eight-figure business. And then we sold it a few years ago. And, you know, well, would you say, I mean, the, the background's amazing to me. And that's why I wanted to ask it. Cause I don't know that you get, you do a ton of podcasts about 
your company, about what you do, but I doubt you get a ton of questions about your, you know, your background. That's part of the benefit of being your friend. So would you say that your mom's belief that you could do something is part of what you bring to, you know, I'm listening to this right now. I'm like, well, I feel like I need a personal brand. I keep hearing about that. I don't want to be a makeup influencer. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think people have to understand personal brand is a much bigger term than you're trying to be the next Jenner. Like, what do you feel like some of your mom's belief in you is what you take with your clients, with the people you coach, with the people like your belief that like, hey, I believe you can do amazing things because somebody believed that I could too before I did. And here's what happened. Well, yeah. I mean, my mom has been a huge part of a part of that, you know. Um, I mean, one, my mom told me anything was possible. And two, you know, I, rem- I remember I used to whine to my mom about martial arts and I, I was like, I don't like this. This isn't fun for me. I don't you know, enjoy it. And she used to say, that's okay because enjoying it isn't a requirement of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good, dude. Hashtag Rory's mom. I mean, legit. And that, (laughs) you know, enjoying it isn't a requirement of doing it actually became like the foundation of the Take the Stairs book and doing things you don't want to do. But as that translates into what we're doing today with all the personal brand strategy stuff, Let's talk about that for a second because like personal branding, people think YouTube celebrity, they think Kylie Jenner, they think, you know, makeup artists. Yeah. But we have a different definition of personal branding. So in this study, one of the things that we asked directly was we said, are you more likely to trust somebody who has an established personal brand? Like we asked that question directly. It turns out that 74% of Americans agree that they are more likely to trust someone who has an established personal brand, which is a ton. What's even more amazing than that, and one of the reasons we use the, the firm that we worked with to do the study is called the Center for Generational Kinetics. And one of the reasons we selected that firm is because they cut the data by generation. And so we not only get the answers to the questions, but then we subdivide them by generation. And only 49% of boomers say that they would trust someone that has an established personal brand and 71% of Gen Xers. But if you just look at older millennials, who are all the people that are in their late 30s and 40s, you know, early 40s right now, 85% of them say they are more likely to trust someone with a personal brand. So this data says that personal branding is the future. But what we're realizing is personal branding is the future, but it's also the past. And so here's the definition that we offer of personal branding. Personal branding is not being Kylie Jenner. It's not being a YouTuber. Personal branding is simply the digitization of reputation. Oh, that's good. The digitization of reputation. So it's the same concept. So like, if we would have, instead of asked this study, you know, and if instead of using the word personal brand, if we would have just put in the word reputation, we think that boomers and Gen Xers would have would have scored it just as high because they understand the concept of reputation, but they didn't grow up in a world of personal branding. But it's the exact same thing. It's it's just the digitization of it. It's the manifestation, the reflection of it. Who do you know? Who knows you? How many people follow what you do? How many people subscribe to your influence? You've been vetted by other people. People are too busy to vet 
people themselves. And so if they've, somebody has been pre-vetted by numbers, by connections, by testimonials, that, that makes complete sense to me. I, I love that. I, I love your approach to this. I'm always curious when we get together, I always pick your brain because you're one of those experts that I turn to. Like regardless of the site, you know, when people say, hey, I feel like I need a personal brain, I'm starting, I'd go, we'll talk to Rory. If somebody says to me, hey, I'm at this level and I think I can level up, I'd say, well, we'll talk to Rory and AJ. Like, like the answer is talk to Rory. So I want to do something kind of unusual. Right now, live assessment, what would be three things you'd say to me about my brand? You'd go, hey, because you know me pretty well. You know my world pretty well. Like three things you go, hey, I would do this. I would stop doing this. I would think about this. Like looking at my, you know, what you know about me, what I do, what, you know, what advice would you give me? Hmm. Interesting. So in other words, you're trying to get free consulting advice on yeah, your podcast. Exactly. Is yeah, what totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And um, I want to put you on the spot. I want to show yeah. people that this is the kind of thing that's valuable. Yeah. So, um, cause I'll tell you one, I'll give you, I'll even give you one you already gave me. You told me YouTube, like, what are you doing on YouTube? You've got to do more on YouTube. Like you told me that like three months ago. For sure that. I mean, like for sure that. I mean, you're this podcast, dude, you should have done this, started this five years ago. I'm glad you're doing it. Like, it's funny. We've never had this conversation because you don't have a podcast until now, right? Like we could have <laughs> right, been, yeah. we could have had this conversation <laughs> yeah. like yeah. years ago. Here's something I will say as an observation about you, but more about a, a principle in general. Okay. So there's a concept that we talk about called Sheehan's Wall. Um, and we named this after Peter Sheehan. I don't know if you've ever come across Australian him. Australian guy? Yeah, just yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. smart, smart dude. And originally, he kind of presented this concept, and we've kind of adapted it for personal branding. But basically, in any industry, um, in any market, there are two groups of people. There are those who are unknown, and there are those who are known. And in between them is this huge invisible wall that we call Sheehan's Wall. And what most people do is, is we're, we're trying to do everything in our power to move from becoming unknown to becoming known. And so we do all kinds of things. And we, we go, okay, as a, I have many different passions. And so we talk about many different things. Like all, I've got all these different passions. And then they have many different business models because it's like, oh, you know, man, coaching is the way or speaking is the way or consulting. And then it's like, oh, we need to do live events and I need a membership model and I have to do courses and they have all these different models and then they have all these different markets, right? And they're like, oh, I, you know, I have a B2B audience and I talk to moms a little bit and I'm over here in churches. There's all these different platforms, right? And Snapchat and Clubhouse and YouTube and blah, 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 blah. And the problem is that people do all this stuff and they bounce off the wall and, and they think they're doing everything in their power to get through the wall because they're frustrated that there's all this noise and they're trying to break free from the noise but they don't realize that they are bouncing off the wall. They are creating noise. They are the noise because when you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. That's great. That's a, that's a soundtrack right there. Say that again. When you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. That is from the take the stairs book. So that we talked about in the first book, but then as it applies to this conversation about personal branding, and I'll circle this back around to you, but the best piece of advice I've ever received about personal branding, this is not a Rory Vaden quote. I wish this was, I wish this is something I said, but this is not one I said. There's a guy named Larry Wingett who was teaching a class for speakers one time. And he said, the goal is to find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. 
Find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, ooh, that is it. That is the thing. But Larry wasn't in the business of teaching people how to find their uniqueness, which a lot of people struggle with. But the idea is the way you break through Sheehan's wall is instead becoming known for one thing by being the person on one thing and you pierce, where you have like this piercing clarity that breaks through the wall and you become the world's leading expert on one thing. And then once you're on the other side of that wall, if you want to, you can expand into other things, right? Mm-hmm. Like people always say, well, Rory, what about Gary Vaynerchuk? He talks about everything. He talks about all this stuff. Investing he talks about and wine. He talks about NFTs and NFTs. Like, yeah. But, yeah. but in the beginning, he became Gary Vaynerchuk by talking about one thing on one platform. Do you remember what it was? Was it wine on Twitter? Wine on YouTube. YouTube, okay. It was winelibrary.tv. Oh, that's right. And he was trying to sell liquor for his dad's liquor store. Then he broke through the wall. Then he got on Twitter. And then blah, 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 blah. Right? Tony Robbins can talk about money and relationships and spirituality and business. Because he's Tony Robbins. But you break through the wall by being known for one thing. And so the question is always, what is your one thing? Like, what is the problem that you solve in one word. And so for us with Take the Stairs, it was procrastination. Like that was the problem that that book solved. It was the psychology of overcoming procrastination. Procrastinating on purpose was a related, um, it was distraction. So how to multiply time, which was really about overcoming distraction. So those were, were sort of related. You know, Brene Brown's a great, one of my favorite examples. She blew up, became one of the the most influential people in the world. And yet she only talks about one problem. She spent her entire life studying one problem, shame, like just shame. And so the question always is, what is the through line? What is the uniqueness? What I would say to you is I would say, number one, You broke through the wall, so to speak, a long time ago. I mean, stuff Christians like was really how I think of how John Acuff broke through the wall. Like that was the first wall. The truth is there's not one wall. The truth is there's a series of walls that get bigger and bigger. And and you have broken through several of them, um, some just by force and sheer will and platform and size, uh, others more strategic. But I would say, you know, you've got your early stuff, you know, you have like stuff Christians like, and then you had like Quitter. And and then more recently, there has been this through line of goals. I think that you are just now starting to get to your uniqueness, which is yeah. this fascination around like goals. But But I would say, even as your friend, I don't think I could answer that question for you. Like, what is the one thing you do better than anybody else? I could tell people a lot about you, Funny, tall. Yeah. (laughs) But so Rory, let's say, okay, so let's bring it back to the listeners. So I'm a listener and I'm like, okay, I'm curious about personal brand. I see the value in, you know, me as a leader at work, having a personal brand. I mean, that Mm. for me, what changed my career was in 1999, reading Tom Peter's book, The Brand You 50, where all of a sudden Mm. I was like, wait a second, I'm not just an employee. I'm a brand and my ability to get promotions inside of Staples Inc. I was working at the, you know, Staples Superstore kind of corporate headquarters. Oh, my brand, he would, you know, different word for reputation matters. 
So somebody's listening right now and they and maybe they feel intimidated because I think people feel intimidated, myself included, when we talk about the one thing or people say you got to niche down. Like, yep. what's the, you know, without giving away too much of it, I know that's something that you guys help people with. What's that process look like? Because say I come to you and I go, but Rory, I've never broken through a wall. I got 47 passions. I hear the same thing. People go, I got 47 goals to work on. Yep. I don't know which goal to work on. What does that look like? Totally. And, and, and by the way, you don't have to worry about me giving away too much. There's no way we could give away yeah. more than the smallest fraction of everything there is yeah. on this, like in the time that we have. But that is exactly what people come to us for and exactly what they should be struggling with. And that is exactly what needs to be solved before you do anything else. So our curriculum, we have one curriculum. It's divided into four phases, and each phase has three three courses. So it's 12 courses. The very first course is about finding your uniqueness. And there is a six-part process that we take people through called the brand DNA helix. Effectively, you know, you could try to do this on your own. I could give you all the six questions right now. You answer each of these six questions basically with a brainstorm. You create like a word cloud or a, you know, you just like puke out a bunch of answers to each of these six questions. At the intersection of all of the answers is where your uniqueness lives. Give me like, throw me one of the questions. What's one of the questions? The very first question is what problem do you solve? What problem do you solve? And, and we try to narrow it down into one word. All right. You don't try to nail the word. You just puke out a bunch of candidates. And this is why it like helps to have someone like coach you through it. Cause it's like, spit it out, throw it out. Like, and we just dump it all out. So that's the first question. The second question is what are you passionate about? And so you dump all these things that like light you up and what you're on fire about and, and not just what you're not just what you're excited about, but also what pisses you off. Like what makes you mad and also what breaks your heart? Like what makes you sad? Like what, where you look at in the world and you go, that just gets me. These are all clues to your uniqueness. Then the third and fourth question, the questions work in tandem, uh, tandem pairs. They're like chromosomes and it's called the brandy and a helix. So question three and four kind of work together. Question three is what do you research? So it's like, what do you have had knowledge of? Question four is what do you have results in? Uh, so what, like, yeah, what have you done? What have you done, right? Yeah. And people always think it's so funny because we have clients that are like, huh, you know, like I really want to coach marriage couples on like doing this, but I just, I just don't have the education for it. Like I'm not whatever. And we literally have people who have PhDs and they're like, all I have is a PhD. I've never yeah. done anything in real life. And yeah. it's like, we're missing it. We're thinking yeah. we're too consumed with ourselves. We're not thinking about other people. So there's two other questions, which we can talk about if you, if you want to. I don't know how much time we have, but- We have time. Give me, the, give me the last two because I know this is just the beginning of a much bigger process. Yeah, so it's just the beginning. So I'll give you the other two and then I'll give you the shortcut because everyone will want the short the shortcut, okay. right? Everybody um, loves a shortcut. Okay, so question five is what are all the things that people would buy from you? Um, and basically, there's only five ways to monetize a personal brand. There's, there's really only five vehicles for converting a pile of followers into a pile of money. And so we teach people what the five are, and then we do an assessment based on their skill sets and their passions and like, what are you best suited for? 
And then the sixth question is, what business do you want to be in? Um, and we teach people something called dares. We tell them to look for dares and we can talk about dares, but we take them through exercises, but at a high level, it's those six questions. You dump all these answers and what we teach our strategists, our coaches, what we teach them to, to look for is what we call thematic overlap. Somewhere there is there is a consistent themes that are pull, coming out of all of these, and that is where the uniqueness lies. Now, you want the shortcut? Yeah, totally. Love a shortcut. Okay. Unless it's going to be, there is no shortcut, and it's a trick question. <laughs> There's no shortcut. You have to take the stairs. sort of like riddle. No, <laughs> it's not that. So if there is a shortcut, and and we didn't know this when we started Brand Builders Group, you know, a couple of years ago, but now we have seen this. The shortcut is realizing that for all of us, you are most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. Oh, come on, dude. Come on. That, yeah, oh my gosh, that is so good. That is so good. It's a truth that revealed itself. Like you are, you, all of us are most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. Every bit of your pain that you have been through was about preparing you to become the person that you someday needed to be to serve someone else. I love that. So what we what we end up doing is when we ask people what problem do they solve, they end up coming up with all this obscure, you know, stuff. But when we ask them, what is the deepest wound you have experienced? What is the greatest heartbreak you have overcome? What is the, the, the biggest challenge that you have faced? That is, that becomes like the litmus test to hone in. And that's, by the way, why we started Brand Builders Group. If somebody has the desire, you know, like I remember walking through the airport wanting to see like my book on the shelf. I remember seeing in a, sitting in the audience going, how do you get to be the guy on stage? Like we spent our life figuring this out. So it's like for the people we call a mission-driven messengers. If you're a mission-driven messenger and you feel like you have a message inside of you, I mean, as humbly as I can say, like we are uh, the best in the world at this. Like it is, it is what God has gifted. This is the calling of our life mm. is to help multiply the messengers. And um, it's really fun because, you know, I told you about how the whole first part of my career, I was a total self-centered jerk that was really just about me. And, and it's like, now it's much more I've fun. I've been that guy. I've been that guy. Yeah. You know, that our success is our client's success. And it's like, We've got two clients hit the, that hit the New York Times this year and one that hit the Wall Street Journal just in the first part of the year. And genuinely in my heart, like I was so happy for them. Like it felt like a, such a more deep satisfaction. And, and this is another thing. So this is something, you know, I, uh, I, I am working on a book on leadership, which will be coming out. But, you know, this is what we'll be based on is another thing that we're realizing is that, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you've, you're familiar with that, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's great. It's, it's huge advancement to modern psychology. But no offense to Maslow, I think he missed it. He was one rung short because at the top is self-actualization. Become all that you can be. Do all that you are meant. Reach your potential. What we're seeing now because of this work with clients, and so many of our clients are high achievers in you know, different areas, there is a level beyond self-actualization, which is others' actualization. Hmm. There is nothing like the feeling you get from helping another person succeed. And achievement does not equal fulfillment. 
And personal branding is about reputation, but it's even about more than that. Your personal brand is not about you. It is about the person that you were created to support, to help, to serve. That is what, it's ironic because it's like, it's called personal branding, but it's it's not about you at all. It's, it's about the person out there who needs you. So anyways, and that's just what we're seeing because it's so clear when you look at all these different people. Well, and that's what's interesting to me, I think, about your approach, because I think there's a lot of approaches where it's the opposite. It's, I mean, that's like why somebody would buy Instagram followers, because if the number is the thing you care about, like you get no engagement. I did an Instagram live with somebody that asked me to be on their channel and they had, I don't know, a million followers. And we had like 40 people watching. I was like, oh, these are all fake. Like if you have a million followers and 40 people show up to Instagram live, that means you bought followers. So that's how I... That's what I love about your approach is that it is other focused. It is an act of service. It is an act of getting your message out there. So last question, um, and this one's a super easy one. Like, where should people go if they want to connect with you more? If somebody heard this today and was like, oh, wow, I've never even, I've never thought of even having a personal brand or somebody's like, okay, I want to do a podcast or I want to kind of figure out what my unique thing is. I want to get through that wall. Where do they go to connect with you? Yeah, so... Here's the thing, um, we'd love to talk to you. So if you go to freebrandcall.com slash John Acuff, okay, freebrandcall. J-O-N, no H. No That's H. right, don't put nope. the H in there, no messing nope. around here. Freebrandcall.com slash John Acuff. You can just fill out a form and, and request a call. And what happens is we don't actually do like video courses and stuff. We do one-on-one coaching. So like we work human to human, like that is our our model. And so we do the first call with people for free. And we just want to hear like, where are you at? What have you done? Like, what's your vision? How far along? And And we work with people who are on the cover of Time Magazine and billionaires. And we work with people who are like, you know, I'm just, I just thought about this for the first time ever when I heard this podcast and, and everything in between, because again, it's not about you. The only question that you need to answer to figure out whether or not this is for you is, do you feel a calling on your heart to share some message with the world? Because what we believe is that if you feel that calling, that prompting and, and, you know, I would call it the Holy Spirit. You might call it the universe. Like, I don't know, whatever you call it. Like, if you feel that calling, we believe that the calling on your heart is the result of a signal that is being sent by someone else. So there is somebody else out there right now who is asking the question that you have the answer to. There is somebody else out there who is living through the pain that you have already experienced. They're they're traversing the path that you have already completed. And that person needs you much more than you need them. And so we kind of view our role as like, our job is to facilitate that transference. But we really believe that that is, is how it works. Like there is an interconnectivity. I mean, I've seen that in my own life in the sense of like a teacher will say, I'll ask a teacher, who are you doing this difficult job for? And they'll say, I'm doing it for the me I used to be. They'll say, I was 13. My parents Mm. went through a divorce. Nobody noticed my whole personality changed. My grades plummeted and there wasn't a teacher that showed up. So I'm now a teacher because I'm going to show up for the 13 year old I used to be. Or why'd you write that book? 
I went through a terrible divorce. I went to the bookstore. I couldn't find a book that spoke to my situation. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to write this book so that the next person doesn't have the same experience and go through it alone yep. so that they know. I mean, I see, I've seen that a thousand times. So, so I love that approach. Give the URL one more time, uh, Rory. We'll put it in the show notes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, freebrandcall.com slash John Acuff. Freebrandcall.com slash John Acuff. Awesome. And just know that when I run into Rory around town, because I see him sometimes, whether it's at church, whether it's at a restaurant, whether I saw, I ran, we ran into his wife, AJ at Nordstrom's. She was buying Rory um, some clothing as a gift for Easter because they take care of each other. This was a while ago. You already have the clothes. Don't get too excited. Oh, okay. It was the nice outfit. (laughs) I I thought it was good. It was a bunch of colors I can't pull off. Um, But when I run into Rory or AJ, I ask these types of questions. So the reason I had him on the show was I was like, okay, I keep having these really fascinating one-on-one conversations. I think other people like me would be interested to go, oh, hey, how how do I do this? So Rory... Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, brother, um, I am honored to be here. And it, when I think of your personal brand, John, I, I love it. I'm excited. I see you making people smile and believe in themselves and uh, achieve goals. I think Soundtracks is a brilliant title and a very uh, a memorable anchor and hook that will stick. I think Soundtracks is going to become something that people will steal and rip off, which is the ultimate sign of a great idea, is you know people will stop saying self-talk and they're we'll start saying soundtracks and it is it's that sticky and um oh thanks Roy and I think it'll help a lot of people you won't get any credit for the idea but it will help (laughs) a lot of people Uh, yeah I it's already been really fun and I feel like I've got a first row ticket to life change and you're right I think I think that's the last thing I'd say is that I think sometimes when you hear conversations like this, you're like, oh, sure. And giving is fun. Like whenever, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, (laughs) but I promise you it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. There's no amount of individual self-achievement that will satisfy long term. Like you either have to keep moving the bar post and go like, well, now number one, like I've hit the New York Times bestsellers list. So what? Okay, now it has to be a number one or has to be multiple weeks or I have to get to 100 weeks or a thousand weeks or like. I have to beat, you know, I have to beat 50 shades of great, whatever. You're always going to have to keep moving it or you can actually pause and go. It's really super fun to help people. So Rory, thanks for jumping on. Um, All it takes is a goal today to help a lot of folks. All right. Appreciate y'all. See you around. Thank you for listening to my interview with Rory Baden today. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for the reviews. You guys are so, so generous with reviewing this podcast. I really appreciate that. So, Please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. And please, if you have 30 seconds, 60 seconds, I don't know, maybe 90 seconds, write a review. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.